listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. My friend, how are you today? Chris, I'm good. Um, great to ha- be on with you today, and we have a guest as well. Um, uh, a couple of things I want to hit on real quick before we get to our guest, because she can talk about just about anything in wrestling, both local and nationally. But real quick, uh, last week there was another death in local wrestling. Uh, Gentleman by the name of Ed Hayes Tax Ross, a popular and beloved independent guy, uh, passed away last week. He worked in Illinois for Powell Entertainment and in Wisconsin for Great Lakes Championship Wrestling. Small accounts. He was a very beloved figure in the business. And back to uh, recent local happenings, real quick. And I'm sure um, Val might be able to chime in on this a little bit once we get her on. A uh, little spoiler, that's her first name. I haven't actually said her full name yet, but anyway. I think it's cute oh. how you're hiding it. You're just, you know, <laughs> you're, you're working on your tease. That's what that's what in the business the radio folks call the tease. You're doing a very good mm-hmm. job of it so far. Although if they see my social media posts, they know who she is. Right. So, or uh, the fact that if you're I, looking in the chat room right now live, she actually already said hi, fellas. And so yes. it, it, you're going to figure it out. Anyway, go ahead. Oakland's yeah. Joe Alonzo, we've mentioned him last week. He actually had his match against Cody on AEW Dark. I thought it was a strong performance. Uh, he looked good. Cody made him look decent. It was a good match. A uh, little sign of sportsmanship at the end. Uh, obviously, Cody won the match. Uh, Joe is now 0-2 in AEW matches. But the fact that he's wrestled both Jake Hager and Cody, you know, kind of um, kind of a big deal for a young guy. Uh, I believe he's just 22. Yeah, we talked about this. It's a big deal just to be in the ring with those guys. And the Cody thing has to be an audition for him to be able to move forward. How do you think he actually performed? Because we said, of course, he's going to lose. But, like, it depends on how he performs in ring. What were your thoughts? I thought he looked good. I mean, uh, he's got a shot. I mean, I know once things get back to normal... I think maybe he'll get some more opportunities for TV and stuff like that and maybe grow into a bigger role. Obviously, his connection with Sammy Guevara of the inner circle can't hurt. Going on to Impact Wrestling, Kylie Ray, who we also mentioned last week, she had her match against Kiera Hogan. She won to go to 2-0 in Impact Wrestling. It was part of the Rebellion show, which was supposed to be on pay-per-view, but they, they split up into two nights on Axis TV and on Twitch where they're basically doing the pay-per-view without fans, close set, essential personnel. I look good. Um, uh, hit or finish the STF. Um, got Kira Hogan to submit. I think Impact's got a lot high-level uh, thoughts about Kylie, and they, they're really, really excited for what she can do with the company. All right, it's time to get to our guest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the line... We have the ring announcer and backstage interviewer with Freelance Wrestling, Freelance Underground, and Warrior Wrestling in the Chicago area. And she's also a lifelong Chicagoan. And here's the best part. She's a self-professed lady mark. Ladies and gentlemen, Val Capone. Hi, guys. Hi, How's, How's it going? going? Thanks for joining us. I'm awesome. I mean, you know, yeah. 
All things considered, I'm doing pretty good. So thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thank you for coming on. So, uh, you know, I... Mike knows you more than I do, so he's going to do most of this interview, and I'm just going to be upfront and honest with you, but I was super impressed when I started reading up on you today, um, not only because of the of the refing and the stuff that you're doing with wrestling, but, but also the fact that you are in roller derby. I just think that's like the coolest thing ever. How did you get into that? <laughs> Well, honestly, um, I grew up roller skating because, you know, that's just what you do. And uh, I really loved wrestling. And um, both my parents worked in music. So, you know, roller derby plus like wrestling love and my just live entertainment background and working in theater most of my life. It just kind of like seemed a natural fit uh, to fall in love with the sport of roller derby. And then in 2004, actually, I'd seen, I want to say 2000 in Austin, Texas, when I was down there for South by Southwest. And in 2004, I was approached by a couple of girls that were looking to start something here. And like, I feel like this is a compliment, but the the way that I got invited to be a part of the Windy City Rollers was we're looking for a bunch of badass, good looking broads that know a lot of people. And all those things are you. And I said, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, that's a compliment. That's that's the take that as a compliment. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess so. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I got my start in roller derby in 2004. I was one of the founding members of the Windy City Rollers. And then unfortunately, because athlete, um, you know, I had a pretty gnarly knee injury that sidelined me for part of the inaugural public season because we were training for about a year and, you know, starting a sport from the ground up. Um, because it's flat track derby. So it's really a sport that never existed. Um, traditional roller derby started here in Chicago in 1935, actually. So that's kind of why I was so into it. Um, yeah. And so the long and the short of it, I had a gnarly knee injury that sidelined me for a bit. So I started going to every other city to watch them play and kind of study because tapes weren't available. Footage wasn't available. So I would travel to Detroit or Columbus or Fort Wayne or Seattle or New York or whatever, and just go see all the teams that were in existence at the time. There was about eight or 10 of us. And if somebody shoved a microphone in my face and asked me, you know, Val Capone, what do you think about the action on the track? And I had no response whatsoever other than tenacious. And um, that's how my announcing career started. <laughs> so I started, uh, you know, becoming just like a, a color commentator, which translated quickly into play by play. And now I can kind of pinch it at both because as a skater, I had the insider perspective from within the pack. But as a sports fan, I also obviously wanted to convey the excitement to the um, I then became a coach as well for men's roller derby. So I've traveled the world as a skater, commentator and a coach. And then in 2016, um, a friend of mine who's one of the producers for AAW, which is one of the awesome independent promotions here in Chicago, um, Dr. Keith, he and I had known each other since, you know, our teenage punk rock days. And we used to like watch every single pay-per-view together. Um, I was one of the only girls that would watch wrestling with the dudes, hence Lady Mark, because I love marking out, but I'm still a lady. So I'm a Lady Mark and I'm damn proud of that. Um, yeah, he, he put in the call because they had an emergency. Their ring announcer couldn't make it. Uh, he had a family emergency. So on less than 12, 12 hours notice, I was, you know, opening an AAW show after beer vending at Wrigley Field all day. So, 
It was pretty surreal. Um, it's a weird thing the first time that you do that, right, Val? Because I, I know that I got I got thrown into that one time because I was a morning radio guy out in Wheeling, West Virginia. And and there was a back before UFC even really got going. They were doing these like back and forth shows around the country. And I got like called. They called the radio station and asked if the morning guy that they heard that morning would be interested in coming in and doing the ring announcing in the octagon. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we'll pay you. Oh, wow. And it was like, all of a sudden, I'm standing there. I mean, there's a video, there's a videotape of it. I don't even think it's a DVD. There's a videotape that, that exists with me doing a show as a ring announcer. And I had to go find it. I was like, I, I don't have anything to wear. They're like, go rent the tux. We'll pay for it. And then show up. And we just need somebody to do all the announcing. And I'm like learning all the guys and then gals before they come out. I'm trying to figure out something about them. And I'm like, how does this work? And they're telling me where the pyro is. And I'm looking around like, it's where? Because I don't want to die in this thing. Like, it was <laughs> it's like, and I got thrown into it. So I'm sure that that's got to be nerve wracking the first time that somebody goes, hey, by the way, when you're done with your tour over at Wrigley, can you get over and do some ring announcing? Well, and here's what the crazy thing, though, is, you know, uh, so as I said, Dr. Keith and I have been friends for well over a decade, you know, 20 years at that point. And I, he said, are you coming to the show tonight? I said, of course, because even though it was at, uh, you know, 115 Bourbon Street, so it's pretty far considering I live within walking distance of Wrigley Field. I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, what time can you be here? I go, well, it's a Friday day game at Wrigley. And I want to say it was like Cubs Cardinals or something that, you know, it was fairly intense and you're pretty busy and covered in sweat and old style and sunshine and all that, you know? And I said, well, geez, I don't know. The game usually ends around four-ish, 4.30, depending on how many innings we go. If we go to in, in, you know, extras, then I'm going to hit traffic. And I don't know. And he's like, can you get here before doors? And I said, well, I'll try. Why? And he said, our ring announcer had a family emergency. You were the first person I thought of to fill his shoes. Can you be here? And I said, I'll find a way. And, you know, on top of having to change out of my sweet and sultry beer vending uniform, which consists of dirty blue knee length khakis and a polyester shirt and a baseball hat, you know, and an apron that is questionable at best into ring announcing gear where you have to, you know, look like you're part of the show. As you said, they, they supplied with the tux, but I just said, what do I wear? And they said, you've seen ring announcers. I go, and in my brain, I'm like, Howard Finkel doesn't wear a dress. I don't know what to wear. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, then I thought of like, the Lilianas and the, you know, Eden Styles, which is now Brandy Rhodes. And all I can think of was, crap, how am I going to transform from sweaty mongrel in the sunshine at Wrigley into Glamorama in a wrestling ring? And so because being a Northsider, although I do enjoy the Chicago White Sox as well, I'm a fan of the White Sox, but I'm a diehard lover of the Cubs. No, I love them both because I'm from Chicago. And until they play each other, I support both teams. And when they do play each other, I always want the Cubs to win. But if the Sox win, I'm like, yeah, screw it. It's Chicago. Who cares? And people can say what they want about that. But that's just how I roll personally. Um, anyway, so but as a Northsider, I wanted to represent. And coming from Wrigley, I was like, oh, well, I used to coach the Puget Sound Outcast, which is the men's roller derby team out of Seattle. And I was one of the assistant coaches for uh, the men's USA roller derby team at the World Cup. So I have blue dresses aplenty and I'm a North sider coming from Wrigley on, you know, into the South side. So I got to wear something that makes me feel comfortable. So I found a blue dress, some red lipstick, and I was ready to go. Except for because of roller derby, I had just torn a bunch. Of, I think that's when I tore ligaments in my right ankle or maybe in my knee. I can't recall. No, no, no. It was my ankle because I had uh, a boot on up to my knee. 
And I didn't even think about that when I said, yes, I would love to bring it out. What a dream come true. <laughs> so I get there and I was like, well, what do I do? I can't wear high heeled shoes. I have a giant, you know, basically I had a, a globe for an ankle with a foot attached to it. And so I said, well, I got some motorcycle boots. I can make this happen. So I just taped the crap out of my ankle. I mean, my athletic trainers were very proud when I showed them what I did and put some motorcycle boots on, threw on some lipstick, put on that blue dress. And here I was ring announcing for one of my favorite promotions that I've been going to see for years. And nobody had an idea that I had an injury until the very end of the night. And I'm putting on my boot and Chris Hero said to me, he goes, did you get hurt tonight going in out of the ring? Are you okay, lady? And I, you know, he's like, are you all right, Val? You all right, lady? I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. I, I obliterated my ankle two weeks ago at practice. And then he and I started comparing like essentially war wounds. You know, he told me about how, how he wrestled with a broken ankle. And I was like, oh yeah, I played roller derby for three months with a broken foot. And we're sitting there in the back and I'm like cutting off the super tape job I did, throwing on my boot again. And then, you know, I went back to work the next day, just selling beers to Cubs fans at Wrigley Field. I mean, it was really surreal. And my first match I ever called was, I want to say, I know for sure it was Prince Mustafa Ali. And I want to say it was Ray Orris. I'm sorry, because of 15 years of roller derby, I've had a lot of concussions. So <laughs> you do it. You're doing pretty good, though. You could you could tell a tale. That means so you 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 it's okay. <laughs> you're not punching anyway. So you're doing just well, fine. <laughs> well, um, you know, you'll often see me with note cards, and I'm not ashamed of it because I'd rather do a good job and do a good service to the to the athletes, to the entertainers, than forget. You know. But anyway, so Ray Oris and Prince Mustafa Ali was the opening match, and I was so jazzed, and I was so Jones. And then, boom, Mustafa Ali's face bounces off the guard, off the rail, and we had to, I had to call the match. I, I couldn't believe that the first match I was ever calling for wrestling was X'd out. And what that means for those listening that aren't familiar with you know, there's a lot of times where the performers get injured in the ring and people think it's fake or people think it's part of the shtick. And it's like, first off, there's absolutely nothing fake about wrestling. Okay. Nothing. There's nothing that the two competitors or however many competitors in the ring, including the refs, including the ring announcers, including anybody that's getting to be part of the act is doing that's fake. It's all authentic. The outcome, however, I'll, I'll let you live in a world of kayfabe and determine what I mean by that. But the, the physical acts that they're doing, the things that they do with each other in the ring, there's nothing fake about that. You can't fake Andre the Giant getting body slammed by Hulk Hogan. You just can't fake that. So when I watched Mustafa Ali's face bounce off the barricade and he was on the ground and there was blood and I just, his eyes were nowhere to be found. Like they were pointing in different directions. I didn't know what to do. And so I looked to my ref and the ref looked at me and we kind of waited and we realized, wow, this is something very serious. This isn't them trying to sell or work or whatever, you know, the crowd. And so I saw him throw up the X and growing up as a child of WWF, now E, I was like, that's when I'm supposed to ring the bell. So here's me ring announcing a busted <laughs> ankle, you know, like trying to balance the ring bell and my cell phone because they time their matches in AAW. And I'm ringing it. And then I had to announce that the match was called due to injury. And sure enough, I'm so glad I did because unfortunately, Mustafa Ali sustained a very serious concussion. And he later came out and 
spoke with the crowd and spoke to the crowd and said he apologized and he would be back. And he's such a man of his word. He sure was a few, a bit later, but he, he took me aside at the end of the night and apologized to me personally, which I thought was astounding. Like everybody's always good guy, Ali, good guy, Ali, but I'll fly that flag to the day I die because he came up and apologized to me because he felt bad that he may have ruined my experience of ring announcing for the first time. Wow. Pretty amazing story, Val. Um, so AAW, it's, a, it's a very long story. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. AAW was the first show you ring announced. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, actually, I just um, because of the, you know, the Facebook time machine reminding you of your life, whether you want to see it or not. It just reminded me that uh, this past weekend, I guess, was my first time announcing for both freelance underground and then freelance two years ago. So it's, you know, I guess my two year anniversary with freelance was just this weekend. <laughs> awesome. And obviously I, I called you a lady mark earlier that that's the label you've thrown upon yourself. Uh, you're an absolute super oh, fan. I mean, when you're not uh, working, <laughs> you're attending events and not only in the Chicago area, but all over the country. Uh, you've been to WrestleMania, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been to multiple WrestleManias. I try to go every couple of years or if it's a a match or two that I, I have to be at that I know there, there's always, quote unquote, that mania moment, that WrestleMania moment. But I love the ones where history is made and forever changed. And so those are the ones that I try to make sure I'm at. Um, the most recent one that I attended, obviously, was last year's. And that was pretty phenomenal um, to I. I I also work at um, the spring training facility for the Chicago Cubs. So basically I took what I made from spring training and saved it. Like every single cent that didn't go towards a living expense, I put towards the possibility of if there is a women's main event at WrestleMania and boy, oh boy, am I sure glad I saved because as we all know, it was Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch and the queen herself, Charlotte Flair were main eventing WrestleMania. So I had to be there in the building. You know, I didn't even want to be in the rafters. I needed to be ringside. And so I coughed up some serious coin, but I sat third row ringside and wow. basically lady marked out with Maria Menounos the entire show. She kept turning around and talking to me. And anytime people were coming up to her, she was very gracious and very polite. And people would ask for photos and stuff. But she and I talked, it just marked out together the entire show. And it was great. Like I sat directly behind Noah Syndergaard, who as a Cubs fan, I wanted to hate. But as a baseball fan, I love. Mario Lopez was to the left of me. I mean, it was surreal. And here I am watching the first ever women's meet event. The Kofi, Daniel Bryant match. It brought tears to my eyes. I mean, the whole night was so magical and historic. That so, was, of course, I had to be there for it. I love that you got to watch wrestling with A.C. Slater. That's the most important thing I gather from that story. <laughs> no. You and A.C. Slater watched, no, uh, watched was, WrestleMania. <laughs> no, I watched it with Maria Menounos. A.C. <laughs> Slater was watching it with his children a few oh. seats away. Oh, okay. But well, yeah, he was close was enough to you. She's a huge wrestling fan. I've always taken that from her is that she just, like, just absolutely loves it. And it, like, I'm not surprised at all when you said that she was sick and she had, and she was one row closer to than you well, because uh, you know, she's got that, she got that big money and she was definitely going to make it to that match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's cool about her is, I mean, she's also announced at a WrestleMania and she's also been a part of a match at WrestleMania. So, I mean, for, for me to get to, so as I mentioned, both my parents worked in music and 
So growing up, it was, my friends would go to, you know, soccer camp or day camp or sleepaway camp, or I had a friend that actually went to space camp and I thought they were the coolest human alive, but I would go on tour with bands, which sounds really cool when you're in your twenties, thirties, forties and beyond. But when you're single digit years alive, it is not very cool. Everybody thought it was super weird. Everybody made fun of me constantly, which is why I have such a great sense of humor and a joie de vie, because if you can't laugh at yourself, what can you do, right? So um, we toured with Ozzy when I was a child. Now that sounds great. Ozzy Osbourne, what a rock legend, right? What a musical icon. So I grew up as a roadie brat. So of course, you know, roadies are like kind of one notch on the food chain above carnies. You know what I mean? Like we're a very different breed of people. Uh, we're, we're very nomadic in our lifestyle. We live fast and hard and, you know, work kind of thing. So wrestling makes perfect sense that it's my love and my passion. And so my dad, he worked with Ozzy for so long. He, my dad actually calls Ozzy John, which that's like so weird for me. He's like, oh yeah, John. I'm like, are we talking about your neighbor or are we talking about Ozzy? Oh, Ozzy. Okay. Yeah. Drugs are involved. We're definitely talking about Ozzy. But so I, I was at, um, I was at WrestleMania Two, that was the first WrestleMania I attended, was part of the triple cast between Chicago, New York, and Chicago, of course, I mean, Rosemont Horizon. So I asked my dad, because, you know, now that I'm involved and working in wrestling myself, people ask me all the time, how did you get your start? What made you fall in love with it? So I always pinpoint it back to the first match I remember seeing. I was about seven years old or so, and it was uh, WrestleMania Two. And I said, Dad, was that because Ozzy escorted out the British Bulldogs and we went on tour with him for so long? And he goes, oh, hell no, kiddo. It's because I was the original, I was the LD at the original Slammies, which for those of you that don't work like our good buddy Tom in lighting, that LD stands for lighting director. So I had no idea my entire life until about a year ago that my father actually created the, the light production for the Slammies, which... Like that blew my mind. So <laughs> that's awesome. I love the fact that you grew yeah. up on the road and yeah, and and then you find your way in all these different little things. You, you're you're a very athletic person. I mean, you just listen to all the different things that you've been involved in, and and you clearly can rough and tumble if you want to. After doing roller derby, is, has there ever been something proposed to you, or have you ever thought about the possibility? I mean, you don't see it very often, but it has happened before, where a ring announcer gets pulled into a storyline or something like that. Where, you know, because I'm, I'm sure you could take a bump or you could like, you know, you could you could get involved if it was something that was really quick. Is, it, is that something that would interest you as well? I mean, of course, that would be the dream. But uh, Mother Nature or, you know, Mother Nature, uh, Father Time, I guess, if you will, is uh, kind of ticking. And at my age, I don't know that it's a good idea after 15 years of playing a full contact sport to start another full contact sport. Um, in addition to that, I also have, unfortunately, a chronic incurable illness that I'm very open about um, called Crohn's disease. And so that's very problematic and has led to a lot of injuries I've had over my 15 years of playing. And in fact, the thing that actually retired me from skating, but not from roller derby, because I can still talk into a microphone and, you know, yell things from the sidelines while holding a clipboard at lawn coaching, um, is I shredded all the ligaments on the outside of my right ankle. And a lot of that is because part of Crohn's attacks your uh, connective tissue. So it affects your ability to heal and, well, just get injured in general. 
So that combined with um, at least 12 concussions that I know of, I don't know that actually being a full-time wrestler would ever be something I could do. Um, I definitely would like to help in any way to, you know, to, to keep the show going or if, if for some weird reason, me getting involved, like, believe me, if I could clothesline Frank or give him a, f-ing, excuse me for swearing, uh, <laughs> like a super kick to that mug of his Frank, the clown, I would love to kick that wig right off his head. Believe you me. And I believe everybody would enjoy it, including his lovely girlfriend, Noelle Foley. So, I mean, if something like that happened, like honestly, at, at some point with Frank screaming in my face, like I'm not about to mess with Robert Ego Anthony because I know better, but I would definitely love, love to take down Frank the Clown at some point before <laughs> before I can't uh, super kick any longer. I don't know that it would be um, a thing I could do full time. Plus, I think I really just like my little niche of, um, you know, ring announcing and doing backstage correspondence. My true dream come true, honestly, would be to hold uh, a show of some sort on, say, IWTV. Um, I love IWTV. I'm constantly using that app. Sorry, cheap plug there, but it's true. Um, for as much as I travel, the way that I'm able to stay in touch with so much wrestling is because of IWTV. So if you don't have that app, definitely do it. And I'm sure there's some sort of five-day free promo trial if you use freelance as a code. But anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I would love to do a, uh, you know, a, a show leading up to the events happening in Chicago wrestling uh, or freelance in particular, but Chicago wrestling in general, like a sports center style show where you get to just kind of dissect all the matches. And, you know, that's that would be my dream come true. If I could be a sportscaster for wrestling, ugh, heaven. <laughs> I would love that, Val. I think that that sounds awesome. I would love to see a sports center for Chicago wrestling. That'd be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, real quick, uh, before we head out, uh, the 30 minutes really go fast. Uh, I want to ask you, your future goals in the wrestling business. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of things tied up in Chicago, you know, with your with your jobs and all that. But are there any aspirations to work for a bigger company or on a bigger scale? I mean, you know, never say never. Do I think, am I going to be working for WWE anytime soon? No, I don't think so. But you never know what could happen. Would I love to work with companies like like WWE or AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor? Of course. How much fun would that be to get to travel the country, travel the world and have those experiences while bringing so much of like the fact that I am such a lady mark and I do love it as a fan and I have those emotions that I sometimes can't control which, you know, it doesn't always work out so well for me, say, uh, when I was, I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was, I was introducing Stevie Fierce versus Ego Anthony and, or excuse me, um, Ethan Page. Um, and Ethan Page was not very happy that I was apparently dancing to the music for Stevie Fierce. But, um, you know, like, I just think it'd be really fun to convey this joy that I get from being a fan as well as working wrestling to others. So I don't know if that's, if that's a cup of tea that somebody wants to drink, I'm never going to say no to opportunities, but I'm really proud to be a part of freelance and freelance underground and warrior wrestling. And I've also gotten to work with uh, war wrestling, which is based out of Lima, Ohio. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty lucky. (laughs) I never thought me going to every single indie show for years on end would turn into me holding a microphone or, you know, cutting promos with Space Monkey, (laughs) you know? (laughs) 
So, and, you know, getting, I was just going to say, getting to introduce, you know, the first ever warrior wrestling women's championship between Jordan Grace and Tessa Blanchard with, you know, no big deal, special, special guest referee, Molly Holly. I mean, that was mind blowing for me as a fan and as somebody that's just in the business. Like those are three pretty heavy hitting uh, talents right there. So, I mean, and also getting to present the first ever warrior women's championship to the fans, to the world. That was, that was an honor and, and it was insane. And I've definitely had a couple of good cries about that moment since, but. <laughs> and it happened on mother's day too, which was also kind of a cool touch over at warrior wrestling. And yeah. Warrior I mean, five. Yeah. Yeah. Steve and the folks over at warrior are so amazing. And they, they also, I mean, I love working for companies that it's all about the passion of the sport, the passion of entertaining the fans, the interaction, and the fact that Warrior decided, no, we're going to announce the women's title as a Mother's Day gift to all female wrestling fans kind of thing. Like, that was so cool. I'm not a mom personally, but I, I can respect that that's such a cool gift to be like, hey, mom, let's go to wrestling today. You know what I mean? Those moments that my friends that are mothers get to spend with their children, things like that are priceless. So it was pretty cool that we got to introduce a woman's title on Mother's Day, I think. But Well, it's pretty cool that we got to hang out with Val Capone today, which I think is uh, it was it was fun listening to the stories. You, I feel like we've only scratched the surface, so we're going to have to have you back for a future show, if you don't mind, because it, <laughs> there's so much to dive into uh, backstage with Ozzy Osbourne. I could share my backstage stories with him, oh, although yeah. I was I was much older at the time and uh, and right in the wheelhouse. Oh. Of, yeah, <laughs> I didn't do it as a child. Is I was, this like Attitude Era or what's going on? Yeah, I was I was out. To, yeah, no, I was yeah. back with Ozzy in the, like the uh, the late '90s, early 2000s because I was a radio uh, a rock morning radio oh, DJ. So if like anybody came into town for a show, I was backstage. So we could, uh, you know, the oh, thing nice. is my backstage stories are probably very different from your backstage stories. You were like one of the kids that would have been running around in the background. I'd be like, who brings their kids to this thing? Like, who does this? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was a roadie brat. And then, you know, to bring it full circle in 1999, I got to be a nanny on tour with Def Leppard. So it was like super trip for me Def Leppard I tour. the rock and roll kids. We already- I already know what the first yeah, question is the yeah. next time that you're on now. So we're, we're, we'll have to have you back just for a deaf leopard. My life is weird, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my life is weird. But I just, I just want to say thank you so much to you guys for having me on. And uh, to Mike personally, because Mike got me hooked on one of my favorite experiences of wrestling. I, um, I'm also a big Disney fan. Anybody that knows me knows I'm like Diz Pro. I go down to Florida at least once a month. Um, based on my job schedule with the Cubs, whenever they're away, I go away. That's kind of what I do. And so I happened to be down there when Mike was down there with his lovely wife. And I said, hey, if, you, if you're if you interested in going to NXT, I think I'm gonna try to find tickets somehow. And he goes, that's funny, I already have a pair. Would you like to be my plus one? And I said, absolutely. And so we went to Full Sail. Now I had seen NXT here in Chicago when they did it at the Portage Theater, but I had never been to the home of NXT and boy, it blew my mind. And I've been, well, with the exception of since things kind of have been put on pause, I've virtually been to NXT every couple of weeks since Mike took me in October. So thank you for that. And I appreciate you very much, Mike, for having me be your guest for that and also for today. Yeah, you could also thank my wife, Jen, for not wanting to go and staying at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's funny, too, because uh, because of that, 
because we went that night, Mike uh, uh, saw Izzy and said, hey, there's Izzy. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's great. So we went over to say hello. And then Izzy's dad and mom were also there who were absolutely wonderful, Cody and Jenny. And they were like, whoa, you're the girl that's a beer vendor from Chicago. I'm like, I am, question mark. And then we realized that we had spent time hanging out in San Antonio when I was there for Royal Rumble in 2017. And we had like become buddies, but kind of lost touch. And now we we talk every couple days, actually. Actually, Izzy's birthday is coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Her 13th birthday, I want to say, is May 1st. So happy birthday wow. to Izzy. There's so yeah. much here. There's so much to unpack. Val, I appreciate I know. you. <laughs> I know, dudes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> It's really nice of you to come on, and uh, Windy City Slam will be back next week. And, Mike, you you continue to bring in the guest, and uh, we're having a good time. The best time we could possibly have during this very difficult time. Windy City Slam will be back next week. You can find it everywhere. Podcasts can be found, and always at WindyCitySlam.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Just screaming because my name